Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Optotheology Podcast. My name is Andy Schmidt. I am here with Apostle Vince Pieri from the Bridge Church in Kentucky. He has changed his title from the last podcast we did. He's now the Apostle, uh, and he was trying to become the Pope, but the Elder Board would not let him. So I'm here with Vince Pieri. Uh, and so for people who like, okay, why is Vince coming on this podcast more? There's two things I got to tell people. One, Nick hasn't been on in like five episodes. That's not because we haven't recorded podcasts. We recorded a four and a half hour podcast, uh, the other day we were up till midnight. Okay. For everybody to know we're up till like midnight and it was about Hamas and Israel and whether or not President Sprinkle is a heretic. Wow. (laughs) And, uh. Two it's, very similar topics to one another. <laughs> exactly. Just it's a, Just no, kidding. but it's insane. It was insane. Like I listened back through it, and it's crazy. It's the craziest podcast I've ever heard in my life. It's in, it sounds like two guys who have like did a like a line of coke and then did a podcast. And I I don't know if I should release it. So I'm still yeah. trying to like think through this. Yeah. Uh, it's not because Nick and I haven't done a podcast. It's just like we did. We just I'm trying to figure out if if this is like the right time to to post something like that. Yep. Uh, it was really fun to do. The other is so Vince has been on twice in the last couple months now, um, and and so Vince kind of reached out to me and he was like, I need more followers on Instagram, <laughs> and um, like <laughs> I really I thought about this joke for a couple weeks. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, go ahead. We, uh, no, that's not what happened. Like, uh, actually Nick and I talked about, you know, trying to get more people on the podcast and a couple of the podcasts that we, I did with Vince, we both thought was really good. And so we we're like, why, why don't we just see if Vince wants to do like maybe once a month or once every other month. And so we, we haven't committed to, to anything talk you out of it. Yeah. Vince was like, I'm not, I'm not like big enough, famous enough or whatever. Yeah, I was like, you got all these like well-known authors on now. Seems yeah. like an odd time, odd time to pivot. To right. random pastor from Kentucky, but happy to be here anytime. Look, anytime you want me. This podcast is for the people by the people, man. We're, we're, we're not. We <laughs> we don't. We don't. We don't like the elites. We, we listen. We talk to the elites, but we yeah. want to talk to the pastors who are in the. We want to talk to people who are in the trenches who are dealing with the real everyday issues and the common and like man that. pastor. The common man, right? When we talk like to the that. common man, right? And I so. Like that. We're gonna have the Vince bottom on of the barrel pastor, right? The Guys absolute loser pastors out there. What was your GPA in seminary? I want to say it was like low, low threes, maybe high it twos. It was definitely low threes. Uh, I can't remember exactly. Maybe three, four, three point four, something like yeah, that. Yeah, man. Definitely like bottom of the barrel. Couldn't I couldn't find anybody else to do a podcast with this week. So <laughs> we're gonna do this event. The only uh, other guy there was a two nine. He was a two nine, which was like I yeah, he couldn't even respond to my email of proper sentences. <laughs> so um so okay, so what are we gonna talk about today? So when should I leave my church? It seems like this one, this is a, a kind of a a weird question in a way, because as evangelical kind of low church evangelical people, we kind of like to say, yeah, you just like leave your church whenever you feel like you don't like something, you know, it's all about your convictions. And if you feel convicted, leave the church. You know, if your church is playing too much Hillsong, you gotta get out of there. If it's playing yep. too much Bethel music, you gotta get out of there, which yep. like for me, I get behind that. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see what happens. We'll see by the end of this podcast. But like, <laughs> 
It, it, most of the time, for people who have been are non-denominational churches, like a church you pastor, I'm part of a non-denominational church. Yep. There's really not a bunch of significance in kind of shop, shopping around, going to a different church for a couple of weeks, or trying a different church out, or even just leaving your church. And it kind of happens all the time, and people are floating in and out. And so yep. there's like, why are we talking about this? Why does this matter? And um, well, one. Well, I'll ask that question to you, and then I'll give my my answer. I know I didn't write this down, but I guess why do you think it's important that we even have a conversation like this, especially as two two low church evangelical guys? Um, I'll see what yeah. you have to say, and then follow up. Why is it a conversation worth having? I mean, I'm trying mm-hmm. to think through when should I leave my church? Yeah, well, I do think there are some people that don't feel hardly any weight about it. They float in and out, but I actually think there are also a ton of people that mm-hmm. agonize. Sure, sure. Maybe it depends on which kind of non-denom you're in. I'm sure, especially in the more maybe Bible Belt, Texas areas, it's very common to just totally float in and out. Maybe maybe that's not true yeah, if you're from yeah. Texas. Maybe you'd say that's <laughs> not true. But I think a lot of people really uh, wrestle with it and go, am I doing something wrong? Am I betraying my friends? Am I betraying my pastor? Am I betraying God? Am I sinning by leaving my church? I think a lot of people really wrestle with it. Um, Maybe even in some ways too much, you know, that they feel like they're, you know, in some big time sin if they leave a church. And maybe sometimes they are. And then I think there are also some people, probably the other reason we're talking about it is because there are some people who wrestle with it maybe far too little and it's never occurred to them that there are reasons to stay in a church, even when there are Mm -hmm. things about it that you don't like. So probably for those two, some people wrestle too much. Some people wrestle too little. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like the, you know, one of the foundational descriptions of the local churches, this is a family. Like we're supposed to act like a family. We're supposed to, uh, you know, we're supposed to interact with each other as if we were interacting with our own blood. And so the the idea, yeah, of leaving the church, right. It's like if you leave your family, that can there can be a lot of pain there. And yep. Yep. And, and on the contrary, like if you're just okay with leaving your family, then you pro- there's something off there too, yep. you know. And yep. so there's two sides to the to this thing. And I think uh it's there's like I feel like there's a multiple different answers along the spec the church spectrum. You have like the low church answer is kind of like oftentimes it comes to your opinion, and then the high church answer is like you can never leave the church. Like the Catholics, like like you can't leave our church, and or you're not a Christian anymore. And if you were to so, leave the whole denomination, yeah, 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 right. I don't have a lot of data or conversations with people about like switching from one particular Catholic church to another hmm. or Presbyterian to another. Yeah, I, I wonder yeah. if some of those dynamics function the same hmm. or not. And I really don't know. That's actually good. Yeah. I should have actually thought of that before we recorded this because that's an interesting question. Yep. Huh. But in terms of leaving yeah. the denomination, yeah, for, or I guess Catholicism wouldn't consider itself a denomination, but yeah, if you leave Catholicism, you are leaving the one true church hundred percent. Right. Right, right, totally. So, so I guess what we're going to try to do in this podcast is maybe give people a little bit of guidance, a little bit of help, and in, in maybe some questions to ask themselves, or um, just some guidance in this question of what, when should I leave my church? Should I leave my church? Obviously, if you're asking yourself this question, it means that you've you've come across something 
in your church yep. that has made you start to wonder, uh, yep. okay, should I leave my church? Uh, you know, you know, that kind of thing. And so, um, and there's a whole bunch of different things that people could be asking themselves about. I mean, you know, it's from like, I got a new job and I'm moving to, yep. I, the, you know, our pastor like doesn't believe that Jesus rose from the, from the grave. <laughs> it's like, yeah, like you know, right, and, whole spectrum. To, total spectrum. Okay. So, um, first question I think that we should ask is like, what are the, you know, explicit biblical reasons for somebody uh, leaving a church? Like what would be uh, pretty clear biblical answers to somebody says, hey, my church is doing X. Should I leave the church? And you would be like, yeah, absolutely. You can, you should leave the church because that is no longer a, a Christian church. I mean, it's that fourth question here. Are there any biblical reasons someone should leave a church? Do you you think there are any? This is a very, in some ways, I think maybe more complicated than it seems at first glance. Sure. If you think about a lot of the writings of the epistles, Mm -hmm. they wrote to churches that had gotten into some bad stuff, (laughs) completely looking the other way over blatant sexual deviance. Like and sleeping with somebody's stepmom, sleeping right? with somebody's stepmom, or, yeah. maybe bio yeah. mom. Who knows? Um, writes to the Galatians: You have literally abandoned the gospel, yeah, and gone right. back to Judaism. And I'm sure that wasn't down to the every single person that lived in Galatia. I'm sure there were people there that still believed the gospel, but as a mm-hmm. whole, Paul says you have abandoned the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, you think of the letters to the churches in. Revelation. I mean, there are so many hardcore, you need to repent letters to churches in different areas in the New Testament. And as far as I can think, there's not a single time he says, if you are still holding on to the truth, you should stop meeting with these people. Hmm. If you are still believing the gospel, you need to move from Galatia mm-hmm. and and attend a different church and stop affiliating. Right. It does seem like the main emphasis, as far as I can tell, is on the individual person's beliefs mm-hmm. being the most important thing. And um, there does not seem to be, from my perspective, any commandments to leave a church based on the doctrine or the um, lifestyle or whatever. That doesn't mean there might be still good reasons to leave a church or permission to leave a church, but I would have a hard time telling anybody you are commanded Mm. to leave this church in any, in almost any circumstance that that I can think of. What are your thoughts on that? Well, the thing I just thought of while you were talking is maybe, maybe something that's confusing to Americans is... The idea that in the epistles in the New Testament, the the church wasn't set up as a, a consumeristic place. You weren't going yeah. there to like get a bunch of stuff out of it. You know, it wasn't uh, the modern American church can sometimes feel like you're going there to get fed. Don't get me wrong, spiritually fed. Yeah, but uh, it wasn't a situation where like you go there Sunday mornings and it's kind of nice because they take your kids and you get like donuts <laughs> and coffee and yeah. you kind of like sing a couple worship songs, you see your buddies and you get like a 15 minute message. Like that's not kind of, it wasn't, it wasn't boiled down to the level of a, 
modern American consumer who can only think for like 15 to 20 minutes at a time. It would like they met every day. I think in acts that said that they met every single day and yep. it was, they were sharing all that. They were giving stuff away and it was very much, this is my family. This is the people, these are people that I, we're all Christians and yep. we're not like, a lot of them were, were going to get persecuted and killed. And so yep. they're not doing it because it was some like culturally okay, fun, cool thing to do. They're yep. doing it because they believed in it. And so for the consumer, my, I just thought of that because I was like, maybe people are thinking like, yeah, well, if I'm not getting what I want out of a church, why wouldn't I just leave? Right. And I think that as as Americans, it, it, it is this is a difficult concept. You know, like if I yeah. don't like my car. I want to just go get, get a, a, new car. a new one that I like that, right. that does the things that I want it to do because yep. we've, we've kind of f- created our life around us kind of exactly how we like it in America. Yep. And why wouldn't we do that with our church? And it right. sounds like what you're saying is like, there's, yeah, there's nowhere explicitly in the Bible that it says, you know, you can't leave the church or you can leave the church in this way or that way. But I, I would assume that your next answer, that the next thing you're going to say is, that we should that that what Christ does call us to is is bringing the truth to the place where you you see there being fault, like bringing reformation to a local church, maybe, or no, maybe you weren't going to say that. I was not planning on saying that, but I I do think that would be true. That if you felt called to stay in a church that had wandered completely mm-hmm. when it comes to morals, or wandered completely when it comes to doctrine, that mm-hmm. part of your hope for that place with that you could be an agent of change Mm -hmm. to bring it back to biblical morals and biblical uh, doctrine. Mm -hmm. I would think if you have any love for the people that you're in community with, you would want to be that voice for them. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I I think so. Would you, would you, I'm interested to hear, would you agree? Like, let's say somebody, because there are a lot of churches that have left belief in the divinity of Christ or the authority of scripture. If you had an evangelically or like an evangelical doctrine person, you know, walking the walk, mm-hmm. following the Bible, obeying the Bible, if they were attending that sort of sort of wayward church, would you feel convicted to tell them you to be faithful, you need to leave this community? Here's what if I would they were say, there with the hope yeah. of reform? Here's what I would say. Yeah. Well, one, I would say, you keep the hope of reform as long as you possibly can, because yep. uh, because people there's lost people everywhere, and every church is all jacked up. So you're either going to reform <laughs> this church, or you're going to reform another church. You just got to figure yeah. out which one you want to be at, and which people you like more. To be completely honest with you, um, <laughs> and then and then and then, but if if it's something like your preacher, your pastor is preaching that Christ didn't resurrect or that he didn't die for sin, it's like a metaphorical blah blah. blah. Yeah. You know, if he starts saying that crap. I would say, okay, you got to wait it out because these things take time, but somebody's got to go. Like Paul in Galatians was like, anybody who preaches you a false gospel, let them be accursed. Like, I I don't think, and he said it twice to add emphasis. And I don't think he was saying like that, that guy can stick around. I think unless that person repents, but the person who's got a, who's, who's preaching the thing that's false if that's coming from the pulpit or if that's coming from the top down, and I'm talking about things that are directly, explicitly contradictory to the gospel of Christ, his life, death and resurrection and the objective truth of that. I would say 
you need to work towards somebody getting out of there, whether that's the, the moving the pastor. pastor. Yeah. Somebody's yeah, got to go. And oh, if they're yeah, like, 100%. If, and that feels like, very biblical. Totally. And if they're like, and if their church is like, oh, we're not getting rid of this guy, then yep. I would be like, it's a tough call. You can be a guy who goes to this sucky church and try to make change and bring people to Christ. But maybe you start a house church. I, I don't know. At that point, yeah, at you kind of be creative. Yeah. At that point, if most of the people there believe what the preacher is saying, you're functioning more like a missionary yeah, right. than like it's your actual community. So at that yeah. point, there just might be wisdom in at least joining a second church also. Yeah. yeah. So you have some community. Yeah. You got to get creative and you got to get your, yeah. you know, get your work boots on and figure out that these, now you're in, now, you know, you're in a sea of lost people and you got to yeah. figure out how, how can we get the gospel to these people? That should be the yeah, first that's thing good. through your head. Yeah. That's a good word. I don't know if that answers. It's no, I think that of, sounds right. Yeah, no, I yeah. think I would. I think that all makes complete sense. Yep. Yeah, that's a good word. Yeah, yeah, and that's also a very extreme example. Very few people totally. probably totally. listening to Optive are in that right. <laughs> moment, right? Right. Well, and I want people well, to understand never know. that the reason that we're doing this podcast, one of the reasons is I've I've over the last year really struggled with this question, like really hardcore. Like I, I mean like Andrew and I were thinking about leaving high point at some point. Nick and I have talked about, this isn't like a secret, but like we were just not because there was like any heresy or anything like that, by the way, there's just preferences and different ideas on how to do things. And I've, I really felt like I didn't feel like I knew how to, how to navigate the situation. Yeah. Especially when it, it didn't, it wasn't something so clearly blatant that like I wasn't hearing heresy from the, from the pulpit, but it was, right disagreements on things that I thought were could turn into larger things. And I think that's kind of where most of these questions lie is, okay, so, you know, I don't like, I don't like that we're doing Bethel. Uh, you know, somebody says to you, I don't like that we're doing Bethel worship. Bethel uh, has some weird theology or whatever, and I don't agree with it. And if you start doing their music, then how, how do I know in five years, we're not going to be preaching the same stuff as they are again. Yeah. I don't know the specifics about what Bethel preaches, I'm so whatever, but like, let's just use that as an example. I see what you're saying, you know? And so that's kind of where all these questions come from. As far as I can tell from people who are trying to figure it out. I think that's a lot of them. I mean, I think it is a whole spectrum. I think there are people who leave churches because there are things that to them feel on some level, not like heresy, but biblically off enough that they don't feel comfortable one and two they worry it's a slippery slope yeah yeah i think that's pretty common i don't feel comfortable with this i wouldn't tell everybody they have to leave but i don't feel comfortable with this and so i'm going to step away because i'm worried it's Mm -hmm. going down the wrong path Mm -hmm. i think there are uh, that's one it's not even really a spectrum it might just be different buckets i think there's yeah. yeah different streams different reasons i think there's also a bucket of people who let's let's just go with the more like quote unquote valid reasons because there's obviously very non-valid reasons people leave churches yeah like right. they just are convicted and they don't want to be convicted right. and they know what the <laughs> pastor is saying is right and they yeah. say i don't want to do that and so i'm yeah. leaving right that's very common or people oh. who get into a fight and they don't want to do confrontation they don't want to mm-hmm. follow the steps of matthew 18 mm-hmm. i don't want to confront this person who offended me so i'll just leave Those are like very obvious bad reasons to leave. And maybe we can come back to you, but I'm trying to think of the more like these are 
more understandable reasons to leave. I think the doctrine thing mm-hmm. is one. Yep. I think another one that's very common is the nothing's wrong, but I'm not being fed. Yeah. Right. I don't disagree so, with this, but I just feel like yeah. I'm not growing spiritually. I'm not learning enough or I'm not being challenged enough. I think that's another very common one. Yeah. What so are the common this, ones? It's like I disagree or it's I'm not being fed. What are the common, like more valid ones? Yeah, we probably I, I should think have written this worship down music is, I, I think worship music's one. Yeah. I'm not connecting with God in worship. Right. That's another yeah. big one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, um, yeah, the deep theological issues, you know, sometimes, uh, whatever lack of reverence for certain, you know, and maybe this is going too deep, but I think about like communion and things like that, where people are like, Oh, this doesn't, this isn't reverent enough. This doesn't, uh, this doesn't do for me what it should do. Yeah. It's not holy enough. And then on the contrary, people who came from maybe Catholic churches where it's communion is done in a way that, that evangelicals might say is unbiblical. Then, then a church tries to do, you know, a low church evangelical church says, Oh, we're going to do this really seriously. And they start to feel like it, it feels like Catholicism. Then they start to get frustrated with it. I think it triggered. Yeah. They get triggered. I mean, this was like the, the Puritans, the Puritans wouldn't wear wedding rings because the Catholics did like, they, they were like, we're not doing it. Like screw that. It's, and, and so, you know, and I'm just like, dude, that, that has nothing to do with anything. John Owen or whatever, Richard yep. Baxter, but, um, yeah. you know, but like people okay, have those ahead. emotional reactions. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I just jotted down maybe the five most common. See if you would add any to this. Yep. I don't yep. agree with something theologically. Yep. I'm not being fed. So I don't mm-hmm. disagree with anything, but I was not being fed. Mm-hmm. I don't like the worship. Mm-hmm. My kids or students don't like the kids ministry or youth ministry. <laughs> right. Um, or there's not enough of something. There's not enough emphasis on missions. There's not enough emphasis on serving the poor. There's not enough emphasis on the Holy Spirit. There's not enough emphasis on evangelism. I don't disagree. I'm being fed, but we're missing this thing that I think is so important. Any that you would add to that of like the common sort of reason? I can't think of anything that I'd add to that. I mean, the kidsmen thing to me is like, I've said on this podcast before that made a bunch of people really frustrated with me that I don't think youth group and kidsmen should exist at all. I've never heard you say that. Never seen it work well. And I've never seen kids come out of it like on fire for Christ. Like I've I've never seen it over work over like, like 10% of the kids. Like I've never seen like the the retention rate sucks. And so the, so for me, that fourth one is kind of like, you're complaining about something that already is terrible, but the, the other ones, I mean, I agree with, and, we can go through each of them if you want to. I know you text whatever you me. think, whatever you think. The second yeah. one on being fed. I remember, didn't you say something about how like that one drives you crazy? I'm People not being fed. Not- yeah, I'm not being fed is probably. I would guess most, not most, a lot of pastors' pet peeve. Mm-hmm. It's maybe the most common one that that pastors hear. Um. So yeah. Is that is it your pet peeve because it just feels condescending? You're like, I put all this work into this thing. I mean, it probably feels the most insecurity triggering of sure. all of them, right? Because that's yeah. directly about your preaching. You're not <laughs> preaching well enough is essentially what those people are saying. Um, right. And yeah, and it's a, it's a complicated one. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Did let's you have a specific about question that. about it? Or, I, yeah, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, let's talk more about this because I'm not being fed can mean a million different things. I mean, I feel like all five of those things can technically all be wrapped up and I'm not being fed. And so yep. what I guess my question, because you're a pastor, I'm sure you've heard this before. What are some of the reasons people have said to you? like the specific reasons as to why they're not being fed. Uh, do you have any of them off the top of your head? I have never done a like survey of this mm-hmm. to really drill down. What do you mean when you say that, at least at, at our church, when that happens? I think sometimes when people say I'm not being fed, they're mm-hmm. talking about just not wanting to follow the particular person who's communicating from the front front. I think sometimes it is also not spending enough time in the text, like dissecting mm-hmm. a passage, talking about the historical background, the, um, you know, whatever. I think sometimes it is not enough um, sort of conviction. Like I think some people read conviction as I'm being fed. I'm being fed if I'm being challenged. I'm being fed if someone is telling me I need to change. That's being yeah. fed. I think some people think being fed is just hearing um, really regularly, which is a good thing, but really regularly the grace part, the love part, the, you know, there's certain things that there's certain things in the big tent of preaching that really speak to people's souls. And -hmm. I think that's what they register for that individual person as I am being fed. I think for some people, it's just learning something new. If they learn something they didn't know before, they'll say, I'm being fed or I'm not being fed. Um, so, yeah, I think it means all sorts of things. And I think there's a certain amount of legitimacy to all of them. Yeah, I, I think this is kind of where the heart of the heart of the question is, because for me, as I'm thinking about and maybe this is kind of a, a distinction that we should have made before. As I'm thinking about this question, when should I leave my church? Yes, the questions of preaching and the pastor come into my head. But for me, more more of what comes into my head is, okay, how does this church function outside of what the pastor is doing? Are yeah. the the things that the, are is you know you can have great preachers and the right. church can be dead. I mean that yeah. happens, you know, where you got people preaching the word and like nobody cares. Yeah. And so. That would maybe fall into that category of like, there's not enough of something happening in the church as a whole. Yeah. And so how, how are we functioning? Or, right. Yeah. Exactly. And so, so I guess, uh, you know, and this, and this ultimately will come down to a question of what do you believe is the, the primary function of the local church? Is it for somebody to go on a Sunday and feel like they got fed by their pastor? Or yep. is it for somebody to go to small group and, and really feel connected in fellowship with these people or yep. is it for somebody to have really good worship or is it for you know, or is it a kind of a mix of all this and so i think right. like that's kind of i guess that's kind of where i'm i guess and so the preaching stuff all makes sense but do you feel like people put way too much emphasis on that because i'm preaching I yeah I when totally it comes do. to leaving churches or just in general i think in general but even when especially when it comes to leaving churches yeah i do i do think people put too much emphasis on the preaching. Um, I don't know if this is the best time to say this, if I'm like skipping to the answer too quickly you can or do an, you not want. the answer, but an answer of sort of like how I think about this. Mm-hmm. And, 
and this isn't even the whole response to the question of like, when should I leave my church? But here's what I tell people at the bridge whenever I get the opportunity to, but that your spiritual life really boils down to several things working together. Hmm. And it's similar to the high point connect, grow, serve. Or oh, we, right. we call it no grow, go, right? Yeah. No God, grow in Christian community, go make a difference. Right. Right. So to me, a Christian, every Christian should be knowing God, developing a personal relationship with him that happens through Bible study, prayer, personal spiritual disciplines, mm-hmm. and hearing preaching from the word and worshiping God together. That's all our vertical connection to God. Right. Totally. Then there's the growth in community, that small group. And we really define that by you have to be um, not just in relationship with people, but you have to be transparent with those people, both yeah. encouraging and challenging one another to grow in Christ's likeness. Mm-hmm. So you know God, you grow in community, and you have to go make a difference. You have yeah. to be used by God through your local church, outside the church, whatever, to build God's kingdom. Yeah. If yeah. you are doing those three things, I may have lost you again. No, I'm right you. here. Okay, great. No, uh, your, yeah. your video is cutting in. It might be me though. Let me, let me, uh, I have another browser screen open. Let me close that. If you yeah. are doing those three things, knowing God, growing Christian community, going to make a difference, I think you can be happy and satisfied and grow spiritually in pretty much every church. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much every church that believes the Bible and preaches the gospel. If you are building your own relationship with God, if you are in transparent community with other Christians, if you are doing something for somebody else, you will grow spiritually. And guess what? If you are doing one out of those three things or two out of those three things, there will be no church where you are happy at. You can hear every different preacher and you'll get bored with that preacher in two years if you're not doing anything for for God. Mm -hmm. You you will never have a church that keeps your interest if you're not in transparent relationships with the people in the church. If you aren't like living the basics of the Christian life, every single church will let you down. And if you live the basics of the Christian life, you'll go, wow, I love my church. But it's right. not because the church is amazing. It's because you're living it out. That's right. my sort of general take. Now, there's nuances to that. There's times that you still might say, yeah, I'm doing those three things, but I'm leaving for this reason. And you might be justified in it. I'm not saying you're not justified to leave a church ever. Even if it's for a minor reason, I think there are times, I think even God even calls people out of churches for just certain specific reasons if he wants to bring them somewhere. But I think in general, most people leave churches because they feel like something isn't working. And the main reason it isn't working is because they haven't taken those core discipleship steps. Right. And yeah, I think... So it kind of sounds to me like you're saying people need to, in some ways, get out of this like TikTok mindset where they're going to get a new sermon every 30 seconds. Like like they're, they're going to continue to get stimulated every couple seconds. And like our whole society and culture is, is in that is in that mindset and has has kind of. Because, you know that's happened over a long period of time as as our information has been segmented but that has gotten its way into the local church and so in some ways it's like yeah you don't just come here to just get a, get a sermon because yeah. if that's why you're coming here is to just get a sermon 
it's it's like that's like a movie, you know, and you're, you're yeah, going to watch so, a two, yes. two and a half hour movie. You're going to watch an hour and a half movie and then you're going to want to watch another one. You're going to you're going to get right. like that. You can't watch like I watched The Irishman over like four nights yeah. and I was starting to get bored. It's a great movie. Right. And I was like, holy crap, this is like a four hour movie, man. Right. Like, and so yes. you got to. Yeah. So if you're not li- like walking the walk and living it out and doing the stuff, uh everything's going to be boring to you. Yes, everything's yes. not going to be feeding you. Everything's going to just, you're not ever going to feel like you're fed. And I, th- I, th- I agree with that actually. Yeah. yeah I think I get it, behind that. Yeah. If you show up at a brand new church with a brand new pastor and you love his preaching or her preaching, not her preaching in your world, but that's right. I'm just that's right. right. In, in God's love, world. In God's world. Yeah. You, if you love that person's preaching, that person's preaching alone will keep you excited about Jesus for a season. Like you could not join a group, you cannot serve, you can just hear a brand new preacher you've never heard before and stay excited about God for a while and then think, oh, it's because this guy's such a good preacher, but you will get bored of him if you don't add in the other things. Mm. Can I give you yeah. one more example unrelated yes. to yeah. preaching? Yeah. So here's another example. The person who shows up at a church and says, I'm leaving or doesn't not right when they show up, but they've been there a while. Yeah. I'm leaving because we're not doing enough for the poor. We're not doing enough to help people in need, right? We're not doing enough for the homeless. If that person would start a homeless ministry at that church, Mm. they will stop feeling that. Okay. This is no, I get what you're saying. But again, we got to remember this is a podcast for the people by the people. And I want to say, okay, some churches have all these bull crap, like control structure set up. So you so couldn't start a ministry. Start a freaking ministry. Like actually, like that's the case with more churches that my family has ever been to than not. You have yeah, to jump yeah. a thousand hoops to get to be like, okay, hey, we're not doing something for the poor. I want to set up a food pantry. Okay, you're gonna have to go through like DI training and like like all this crazy stuff. You're gonna have to like like all forty of our deacons are gonna have to like do like a background check on you and like. Yeah. Inf- years we're going to give you what you need to do the ministry so we'll see you then like that kind of like that kind of stuff where it's like you kind yeah, of like, i think yeah i think there here. could be too many hoops to jump through to get into leadership and yeah and i also think we do few hoops to jump through to get into leadership sometimes yeah, right, right. but even let me put it this way and again but, i'm not saying yeah. if your church yeah. is doing nothing for the poor you should stay no matter what maybe you should leave if they're doing nothing for the poor mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. i will say a lot of the time let's say you don't even start a homeless ministry you just go serve at a homeless shelter Come to church, yeah, yeah, join right, your small totally. group, right. go serve at a homeless shelter if that's what's on your heart. Get and your small group. See, yep. Get your small group to do it and then see how you feel six months from now. Totally. Yeah. And if it's still driving you crazy, maybe God's leading you. But like, you know, you want to see more Holy Spirit yeah. ministry. Well, start praying for the sick. Right. Start driving out some demons yeah, rather than totally. saying there's not enough Holy Spirit stuff going on at this church or whatever it is yeah so often if you aren't walking out the basics of what you believe you project that onto the church and expect them to be doing something to meet that need now obviously i'm very biased as a pastor there's probably people listening to this to go yeah of course a pastor would say it's not the pastor's fault of course a pastor would say it's not the church's fault it's the fault of the people so i i own that and i do think there are times god does call people out but but I, yeah, I do but really I think mean, if you're not doing the basics, yeah, you're not going to be satisfied. No, I agree. I mean, that, that I, I would say that this podcast probably is going to just – a lot of it is just going to be like, look, 
you've got to take your own faith seriously. Like yeah. not everything can be spoon fed to you. Like you're yep. not like the church, you know, you have one pastor preaching to 500 people that doesn't, that the math like doesn't add up. Like that guy can't actually feed every single person. Like each At person. At least now with the be- meal, the specialized meal they're hoping for mm-hmm. that week. Exactly. And like you have to fellowship with each other and you have to work together and you have to do stuff on your own, which I think is, is, is a very, uh, I think frightening for a lot of people who are kind of used to the everyday, every week Christian thing in America where it's, where it's like, okay, I go Sundays, I get my fix and then I go home. And then yep. after a couple of years or after your kids graduate high school, you're like, why am I doing this anymore? You know, I thought, yep. you know, this is for the kids or whatever. And it's like, yeah, well, cause for 25 years, you didn't take anything seriously. So the, right. Right. yeah, I, I could get behind that. Um, yeah, so you had mentioned I think we have to talk about worship too because I think I've heard more about worship. People leave in churches for worship than basically any other reason. Maybe maybe we're in different circles. Um like people my age like don't care about doctrine. You know, you could you could yeah. preach whatever you want, but if the music <laughs> isn't how, how how you how how they like it, uh if you're not singing enough Lauren Daigle, they're going to yeah. get mad. Which I've always said that she's the dollar store version of Adele. Like everybody knows that. <laughs> the great value version of Adele. But um someday this podcast is going to get big enough that you're going to have to <laughs> people are going to hate me. <laughs> so you're going to have to think about Lauren's going to text you with this just a sad face. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll be like, "Oh, well, sorry, Lauren." Okay. I'll be like, look, hey, I'll have anybody on the podcast, Lauren Daigle. If if you come across this podcast, you can come on and say whatever you want. I think she's yep. pro LGBTQ. Who I'm knows? Just saying. I think she, yeah, I don't know. Which is like, yeah. okay, same with the Switchfoot guy. I'm kind of like, and I love Switchfoot. Like, yeah. come on. Dang come on. it. Okay. It's just frustrating. Um, I get that. But yeah, people just get frustrated with the music. Okay. There's too much of this music I, or not enough yeah. of this music. And I so, think I hear the, go ahead. No, yeah, you go go. You, what were you gonna say? Oh, I was gonna say I think I hear I think I hear the worship complaints a lot less because the worship at the bridge is much better than the preaching. <laughs> <laughs> the people people are there for the worship; they're not there for the preaching. They, there they, is a good. There's yeah. probably a good bit of that at the bridge. You're just like, eh, I don't. But your love worship this leader, preaching, but wasn't he like part of a popular Christian band or something? Yeah. He, he was in a band called Seabird, which some people know he's an incredible worship leader. Yeah. We have, we have a really okay. strong, we have a really strong worship ministry and worship culture. And there are, there is a good crowd of people who I think mostly mm-hmm. come for the worship. Yeah. So you, yeah, you were saying that your, your church, people don't leave because of the worship. They leave because of the preaching. And I would, I know you're half joking, <laughs> but that is very true. No, nobody leaves the bridge from the worship, from the worship. Um, what do you, what do you say to people who, I mean, what would you say to somebody who said, I don't like my church's worship, either it's too, you know, too fluffy or too substantive, which I don't really know. I mean, I think some people get frustrated because sometimes the worship says things that are convicting, which is kind of to your point about the preaching as well. Um, yep. But most of what I've heard about the frustration with worship is that it's 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 too out there. It, it feels like we're singing to like our girlfriend or boyfriend rather than to mm. God. It doesn't feel Christian enough. Um, yeah. What would you say to somebody who's kind of f- figuring that out? Yeah, my my response to that in general would probably be a little more like pushing back than some of the other ones. Yeah. Um, because I do think like, I think I would say, do you believe in the church's mission? 
Hmm. Are you growing spiritually? Are you in a small group? Are you yeah. serving? Um, are people getting saved? If the answer hmm. to all those questions are yes, and you just don't like the style of the music used for worship, I think that's probably the most silly reason to leave a community yeah. because you can worship God a cappella. You know, you can worship God to hymns. You can worship God to modern worship. It's really about you and God. And the music is just, um, I think there's value in the art of the music. Yes. But I think at the end of the day, the music is a vehicle for you to worship God. So, but I would also I say back? most people. Yeah, go ahead. I want to push back a little bit because I, while I agree that I think maybe what you're saying in principle is probably correct, like fun functionally, if we are, if our hearts are in the right place and we're trying to worship God from our affections and, and, and it's really about like our worship, you know, you can't, you can fake it, but God knows, you know, where yeah. you're, where you're at. Yes. And I think that that makes sense. I, I've really struggled at church, like in general, different churches, where we're singing a song in worship and it's it's like it's about all of the things that God has done for me but it's You're talking not, more about the lyrics than the style. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's that's yeah, I should have said that because yeah. because we're talking about oh God loves me so much. God he is so gracious to me, so faithful to me. He's me 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 me. I'm like okay, I get it. Like yeah, God does love me or whatever. But like you know, if we listen to some of the music that we sang in church, and I'm like, people are trying to think like we're a little narcissistic. Like every like, like God only thinks about me, and I, you know, yeah. I, I, and we're not singing about how how great and wonderful He is. And yeah. I, to me, to worship God is to worship God. It's not to yeah. worship God how good God is to me. In some ways, that's just worshiping a mirror and and seeing the reflection and being like, oh my goodness, this is so good, and. I've really struggled with that. Like, like yeah. I don't know what to do at church when I hear a song like that. Cause I'm, I'm like, if I sing this, I might be sinning. Like, I don't know what to do. Uh, I think that, so what would you say to me? You yeah. Do a little discipleship here. That's right. <laughs> take it, take it back to, <laughs> take to, it back uh, to 2016. 2016. I, right. I, let me start by saying, I help pump you up. I'll start by saying, I hate you. I think everything you're doing is wrong. It's now go. No. Your level of pushback, Andy, is just a completely different animal than it was seven years ago or whatever. Explain yeah. that to people. So please, people think that I'm a dick on this podcast. Please explain <laughs> that. Well, and I knew you probably before most of your audience knew you, but I, I met you when you were a senior senior in high school, junior in high yeah. school? Uh, senior, I think, maybe beginning senior. of senior year. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you were literally like, I hate you. I hate everyone. I right. hate church. Uh, and you've gotten way more quick to listen, slow to speak, <laughs> there we completely go. different person than you were at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm not, clip that. <laughs> go I'm, that. Clip. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not saying any of your critics are wrong if they think right. whatever, but, yeah. but yeah, you have definitely, definitely softened up so much I over agree. the last seven years. Yeah. I've been trying to convince people. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Although um, you yeah, also did before we started recording, you also said that you are a zero per- percentile on the agreeableness. Yeah, on <laughs> yeah, so, so seven yeah. years later, you still are in the zeroth percentile. Yeah. There's part of, of that combativeness. That's just- it's in there and I'm trying to figure out how to deal with that monster, you know, because yeah. I, I can't not do it. I don't know. Like, yeah. I don't know what to tell people. There's a part of me that just wants to tell everybody to F off all the time. Yeah. And so for me to not do that actually is like proof that I'm a Christian, you know, it's there, you, like, go. The there biggest, you go. Yeah. Evidence of life right. change. A testimony. So, okay. So what would you say to somebody like yes. you know, who's just dealing with this yeah i actually do think i would say largely the same thing Mm -hmm. i think that i think there is a decent argument if if there was worship that was literally singing heresy but i (laughs) do think that's very rare yeah and the vast majority of worship music that people say the lyrics aren't godly enough or holy enough or putting god on the throne enough i think a lot of times if you use the Bible itself as your reference point, mm-hmm. and the Psalms are a lot of praising God for what he has done in the lives totally. of his people, mm-hmm. the life of David, the life of the people of Israel. Um, and I don't know how much, in my mind, most of our praise to God flows out of his work of salvation and redemption in our lives. Right. We're either praising him as savior or as creator or as just holy and awesome. Yeah. Huh. But I think the Bible is disproportionately favors praising God for his redemption of our lives. So I actually feel very comfortable with songs thanking God for what he's done for me. Um, and I think sometimes when we say if a song says I or a song says me or a song says us, we're like, this is about people. But it's a lot of the times, I think if you actually read it, it's not about people. It's about what God has done for people. So let um, me ask this. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, and would you think that that tort- sort of worship of thank you, God, for what you've done in my life yeah, is is more meant for an intimate setting like prayer than it is for a corporate setting? Or, or do you kind of are like, let's just all – it doesn't really matter. You should thank God intimately. You should thank him corporately. I, I, I've thought about this because the – so obviously God has brought everybody to Christ in kind of a different way. And, and and I'm not saying like in corporate worship we're all agreeing that we've all been brought the same way. We've brought, been brought to the same message and the same God, which is great. But when I'm thinking about my redemption, being redeemed and saved – I think about this is a very intimate thing for like, um, you know, sometimes I cry about it. I just like cry Mm, when I pray or something, you know, like this is a good thing. God saved me. And, and it's, and, and so, and some of it seems, and this might just be a temperament thing. I don't know the difference between liberals, conservatives, lowercase L and C type of thing, or like, what's the proper setting for that type of uh, conversation with God? I guess if, if that's a good way to put it, I, maybe there's no real answer to that. I don't know. It, Cause there's, it's about how comfortably you feel too. I think maybe. Yeah. I think my gut would be, I would have to think about this and research a little bit more, but if you think about even communion, communion is the ultimate act of celebrating God's salvation of our souls. 
<laughs> is redemption of our lives. And communion is a corporate, corporate act. act. Yeah, right, right. So I think the cross, our salvation, our justification should be at the center of corporate worship. Mm-hmm. And I think that means you got to be singing about God right. and Jesus and the cross. Yeah. But it's all in how it's applied to mm-hmm. human beings. Right. And, and, and what he's done for me does not... How he brought me to that point is different from you, but what he's brought us to is not different. Amen. And so in, in worship, yeah. right, we're singing and praising God because we've all come to the same place. And doing Amen. that together is a, is, a, is a really great thing because that's how you share in fellowship with, yeah. with other Christians. And, and yeah. to speaking of fellowship, one of the things that you kind of talked about, one of your five, or maybe it wasn't, one of the things that you mentioned in whether or not you're in a good church, you were like, yeah. okay, if your worship isn't that good, but you have, you agree with the mission, you've got good community, things like that. Yeah. So well, let's discuss the difference between community and, and fellowship. Something okay. I've been thinking about a lot. I, and maybe, and I didn't write these in the questions. Totally fine. <laughs> next time I'll try to be more specific. But no, totally fine. Totally I've been fine. trying to think about. Um, like the millennial generation has been just a total confusion for me. Try to mm. figure out how to deal with the millennials. It's so mm. difficult. And one of the things that I recognize is that millennials have a high desire to be a part of community. And the church in the last 25 years put it like there's so much talk of community. Like you would ask a millennial, like, what do you like about your church? And I bet 90% of them would be like, I love the community. It's great community. Go, it's a great community. I have great okay. community. Yeah. Okay. So I thought about this for a while because I was like, there's got to be something. There's other issues with the millennials that have made me think that there's got to be something off about that whole thing. Because mm. oftentimes I, I see the millennials and this isn't just some, uh, this is kind of a particular millennial thing. If, if there's a study that uh, that's done that discusses the values of Americans and they've been doing it for like 50 or 60 years. And basically like all of the values have flipped on their head over the last 50 years or wow. over the last 30 years. And wow. so like what used to be important was like family and community, you know, and then now what's the most important thing is money. And they yep. just they make distinctions between conservatives and liberals and Republicans, Democrats, just like money, and then it kind of differentiates or whatever. And but like for a long time, for the last thirty years, like there was a shift from community, and community was not lumped in with with religion. So religion mm. was its own separate category. And so mm. it was like community and religion, and community was way more important than religion for for a long time. And and now like money is just more important for everybody because I think our culture is in a really bad spot. But. Uh, like more important than family. Uh, so, so I thought like, okay, why, are, why is this community thing so important? And I wondered if it's, if it, what is the difference between Christian fellowship and community? Those are two different words. And I have a theory. I'm wondering if you have any ideas as to what, what this, the difference is between those two words, or if you've ever thought about that, or if you have this, I mean, you're a millennial, do you have the same feelings that I have? about the community explosion over the last 25 years in the church. Like a desire for community. I mean, all the churches, like evangelism was like, hey, come, we have community. We have a great community. Mm. That's what I thought. Mm. Did you you hear about that stuff? 
I think I have heard you turns like people actually getting saved or just how they're trying to reach people to get kind of trying door. to reach people, like get them in the door. Like we have this great community and then, you know, yeah. get them with the gospel when they get in or whatever, maybe. But, but the big thing was we're a loving community. We'll, we'll accept right. you, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, without having researched the like Greek word for fellowship. Yeah. Yeah. I, sh- yeah, I should do in, that. In my yeah, I mean, I should have done it. Maybe what is it? Coin in the eye. I think maybe that's a very rough. Oh. Uh, it's been a lot of years, but but uh, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think the biblical idea of fellowship is that you are engaging in the spiritual stuff together with mm-hmm. other Christians. So you're praying right. for each other. That's fellowship. You're worshiping together. That's fellowship. Mm-hmm. You're you're spring one one another on to good loving good deeds, yeah. right? You're confessing yeah. sin to one another. Yeah. I think the what we do together in community is maybe fellowship. I think when people say I'm looking for community, probably some of them mean I'm looking for fellowship. Depending on where they're at, some of them may mean I'm just looking for friends. Hmm. I'm just looking like to have people Be in my life. People. Well, you, yeah. you, you told me that you canceled young adult group at your church. And this is where this question stems from for me the young adults at at churches that i know are not doing anything related to christianity Mm, they're like they're being a community but they're not engaging in fellowship they're not they're not doing the the biblical practices the the biblical principles they're not confessing sin they're not fighting sin together they're not yeah uh studying the Bible, praying with each other, uh, praying, you know, I don't know, all, all the other, they're worshiping with each other. They're not doing these yeah. things, edifying yeah. each other, practicing the spiritual gifts, whatever it is. Right. It, they're just going to do board game nights. And right. I'm like, bro, that is not Christianity. I'm sorry. You're that's, yeah. you're like hanging out with your buddies. Like yeah. Fellowship and community are two different things. And I think they got convoluted over the past 30 years. Yeah, I would agree with that. There are, uh, like, I think a lot of Christians, especially depending on just how maybe, like, what, like, how this sounds bad, but just sort of like how maybe Great Commission oriented you are. Mm -hmm. You know, if your heart really beats for people far from God and you want your life to count, that kind of puts you in maybe a little bit different category. But a lot of people who who are Christians, who are saved, they don't have a strong sense of sort of great commission purpose in their lives. And so it sort of boils down to, I want to live a moral upright life. I want to not mm. do bad things. I want to try to do some good things and which is also important. Morals are also important, but yeah, yeah once you're sort of living that moral upright life, your biggest felt need is just for friendship. It's just to have people in your life who you can spend time with, who you can watch a movie with, who you can go out to dinner with, you can get coffee with and and maybe similar to or uh, to your point of like how the culture has changed and we've become more and more and more isolated from one another as mm-hmm. you know the s- suburbs and internet and all those sorts of things so the need for just friendship is so high that if you can just get people into friendship with one another you can reach people and you can keep people and you can get people into a church and i i we have always said at the bridge since I've been here, we do not want to settle for that. We do not want to create church ministries that are primarily about building friendships. 
every ministry we have as a church, we want to be about life change, yeah. whether evangelistic life change or about discipleship. And if mm-hmm. you, we believe if you get people into evangelistic settings and into discipleship settings, and they're in what we what we organize sort of on behalf of the people, yeah. the groups we put together, yeah. the ministries we put together, if those things are very intentionally about life change, we think those will build the kind of relationships where they can play in their own movie night. They can play in their own board game night. Mm-hmm. They can play in their own times to go to restaurants. We want the stuff we put staff energy into and volunteer energy into and money into. We want all those things to be about yeah. the Great Commission, evangelism and discipleship. Yeah, totally. And that's what we lead with yeah, as we talk to people. Right. Which I think is like really great because the – the community thing, I would just so people know, I don't think that's bad to desire community and friendship at all. Right. But I think that, that there's a right, we need that. People need that. But there's a place there is a place and time for community for the sake of enjoyment and then community for the sake of fellowship. Yeah, and you and have to be able growth. to right. You gotta make a distinction. Yeah. It's not all the same yes. all the time. And and 100%. one of them is going to be actually a lot harder than the other one. And, and like, one of them is <laughs> literally fun. I don't know, like playing board games, screwing around, watching movies. That's fun. And yeah. everybody's got to do that. I do that. Everybody's yep. got to do that. But yep. confessing sin, talking about the Bible, figuring out what God means when he says stuff, praying yep. for people, that is not as, as easy and sometimes not yep. as fun. Um, but the, the local church, I think functions and exists primarily for one of them and, and out Mm -hmm. of of them, it can produce the second thing, the enjoyment of friendship and community, but you you can't, I I actually really don't think you can produce fellowship and biblical community and confession out of just hanging out with your buddies, playing board games. I don't think it can be the other way around. Yeah, I I mean, one, this is not something that I think is like black and white in scripture. You know, if a church said, <laughs> yeah. we want to lead with, we're going to get people to board game night and movie night and all these different sort of fun things as a first step. And then after that, we'll get them into more serious discipleship, mm-hmm. fellowship relationships. If someone were to say that, I wouldn't say that's unbiblical. I'd say, hey, that's oh, a fine let, let strategy. Me- that's an evangelistic strategy that I could I could get I agree with you on that, but I'm just yeah, saying, especially the, for evangelism. Yeah, I'm with but you even, there. But yeah, even if they you, were to say this is a way we get nominal Christians on fire to reach okay. nominal Christians, we just need huh. to get them in something fun and then challenge them to go deeper. Sure. Okay. If that was someone's strategy, I wouldn't say that's sinful. But I would yeah. say make sure that's your strategy and it doesn't yeah. end at board game night. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say personally, I think it's in this generation with the way the culture is, with the with like the kind of person who is checking out church for the first time, I think they want something more real and are ready for something more real day one. Mm-hmm. And I'd rather just say, hey, if you're not ready for discipleship, just come to church on Sunday mornings. If you're not ready for discipleship, come to church on Sunday mornings and hand out a bulletin at the front door if you want. But by the time you're yeah. giving up a night of your week to build relationships, I want it to be about life change, discipleship, yeah. all of those more yeah. sort of heavy duty Christian community things. I didn't know that 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 was – I agree with 100%. I didn't know that was your perspective on the next generation coming in. That Like I've heard a lot of people to be so wrong about my generation – 
mm. that they like they want they just want people to like be there to give them hugs and like you know give them candy bars and stuff it's and yeah. that's just i don't think i've never seen that they're actually like starving for some something real for something yeah, legit something challenging yeah yeah something high stuff. intensity yeah that's good and I probably think that because that's how I'm wired so that I'm probably biased, but I, that's the direction we've been taking. And mm-hmm. so far, it's only been three years that we've been doing it, but so far we come have closer to the gone, mic, come closer to the mic. Oops, sorry. No, you're uh, yeah. You know, I've been a lead pastor for three years. We've only been doing it for three years. So maybe I'll think differently down the line, but so far as we've focused on that, we've seen the fruit of it. Totally. Yeah. In terms totally. of life change, people yeah. being baptized you know, friendships being right. formed, that sort of thing. Right. Right. Totally. Yeah. I think that that's good. I, I didn't know that, that was your perspective and that's good. I'm like, seriously, I'm impressed because I've, I really have not heard many pastors get that right for some odd reason. They just think that young people want a place to hang out. And yeah, so thanks, Andy. Yeah. I don't know. That's a really good thing. Um, Praise God. So I got another question written down in here. Yeah, that's something, ahead. you know, and, and this is more, uh, this is more about mega churches. I think this yep. happens more in mega churches, but uh, you know, if you find something biblically wrong in your church and your pastor is not aware of it, what should you do? And so this kind of plays into okay, should I leave my church? You know, uh, you know, one of the examples that I have is uh, it's really popular for big churches now. I mean, we're still seeing this all over the country. Uh, Andy Stanley just did a whole a whole conference on this type of thing where some churches, you know, their youth groups will do kind of like John gender hospitable, you know, that yeah. people will come in and I'm a boy in a girl's body or something like that. And, yeah. and, um, and the church will say, uh, all right, we'll just, we'll call you a he, we'll call you a he, him. And, mm-hmm. and let's say that's like the youth pastor guys kind yeah. of thing. And he kind of gives it, it's a church of 5,000 or something or 10,000, 50,000. And yep. the senior pastor really doesn't know that's happening. Uh, now what do you do? I mean, and, and like, this is a super complicated question. I get that because yeah. you're trying to, I mean, there's a lot of dynamics here, but what, what do you do? Cause this is happening. Megan, if you're at a small church and this is happening, like a real, like a 50 people church and your past doesn't know what's going on. I would be like, dude, what are you doing during yeah, the right. week? But it's more understandable in larger yeah. churches right? for pastors not to know everything. Right. Yeah. yeah I mean, I don't mean this. Let me answer the question just in general, rather as a comment on like the whole gender issue and how to address that with like kids coming into a youth group. Cause I do think there's room for some discussion there, yeah, which might right. be a good topic for another podcast, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I think if you're a part of a church and you think there is something going on, that is something that you think that pastor would not be okay with this. Sure. Um, I do think you should bring it to either the pastor's attention or sort of the next layer up the chain, their attention, mm-hmm. you know, the next layer up. The, well, I mean, really you should go first to the person that you see doing the thing, the staff member or the volunteer or whatever right. you address it with the person first. And if the person says, no, I'm fine with this, then you, I think you do take it up the chain. I think a lot of the time, even in mega churches, what people will discover is that even if the pastor didn't know about it, like larger churches get larger generally from really clear values. 
hmm. really clear. Here's what we're all about. So I think a lot of times something like that, even if the lead pastor didn't know, he would probably align with that decision because hmm. it's all flowing from the central leadership. But I also, I'll share one example without saying the name, but I went to a little pastor's conference and there was a guy leading a church of 10,000. Wow. And a member reached out to him and said, your worship team is drinking. They are partying. And he was not okay with that. And he said, let me wow. look into it. And then he went and talked to his worship pastor and the worship pastor said, yeah, I think some of that's going on. I'll deal with it. The guy did not deal with it to the depth that it needed to get dealt with. So six months later, again, another person from the congregation came and said, they they are still partying. That person wow. approached him and said that. And so he stepped in, he pulled the worship pastor out of leadership. He addressed it and uh, did a bunch of, you know, work. I uh, spending like a year leading that team directly to bring mm. it back to a place of health. So I think sometimes um, there can be really powerful things that happen. If you see something, and yeah. you're going, the pastor's not okay with this. Sometimes it can lead to some really powerful uh, transformation. Yeah, the reason I was asking this is because I think so many people see something they don't like in their church, especially in a mega church, and they'll just be, I don't agree, We're, I'm out of here. And yeah, yeah. That, I think that's such a, one, I mean, you're a coward if you do that. I'm sorry. If you don't, I mean, in general, if you don't deal with your problems, you're a coward, but you know, in the church, it's like, this is not just affecting you. If you really think it's wrong and you yep. really think that it could be harmful for people, the most selfish, cowardly thing you could do is just walk away and not say anything about it. So yep. that, that, and that happens constantly. Yeah, people it just really don't does. agree with it and they just leave. And it's like, do you yeah. actually, do you actually care about these people? Yeah. Um, the even I'm not, more sad thing yeah. is when it happens at the staff level. What do you mean by that? Like, like staff person leaves? like where a staff or a board member will see stuff that's unhealthy and they actually have the power to change it. Oh man. You know, and they'll just they leave because they don't want to deal with the confrontation or whatever. I have seen that. And that, that does bum me out. That happens. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I oh, can't man. think of a specific example off the top of my head, but yeah. I would not be surprised if early on in ministry, I did that, hmm. you know, that you're afraid to confront and depending on the situation, if you're a more junior staff member, you might not have much of a voice mm -hmm. anyway. But um, but yeah, boards who won't fire their pastors or won't confront their pastors or leadership right. teams, it's very common and it's a yeah, real yeah. it's a real temptation. Oh, yeah. It's a real temptation for staff yeah. as well. And I don't want to say I'm above that. I think it's a battle everybody has to has to fight. I mean, that's the uh, that that's the that's kind of the cardinal sin of, of our age is this passivity. I think that people yeah. just really don't want to deal with the problem right in front of them. And yeah. instead of conflict averse. Yeah. And I, I always think about, I remember like, I always think about that verse. I think it's with Elijah in somewhere in the Bible or <laughs> where Elijah's kind of complaining to God, like I'm the only one doing yeah. anything. I'm the only yeah. one. I'm the only one. God's like, dude, you, you, like there are 7,000 other people like you yeah. don't know what you're talking about. And I think right. a lot of people think, Oh, I'm, I'm one in a 10,000 person church. If I go and say this, who cares? Nobody's going to listen to me. Blah, blah, blah. They'll make all the excuses. But really the whole Bible is a story of one person being faithful to God over and over again, or, mm -hmm. or failing to be faithful to God. And when you're faithful to what God wants you to do, 
either you're going to learn something or the other person is. Maybe you're off about what you thought was wrong. Okay. You learn yep. about that. Right. Uh, or maybe you recognize that like, you know, maybe the pastor's like, holy crap, something's going on. We got to fix this. And they change right. something. Or maybe it challenges you to say, you know, you see something going on really wrong and you know it's wrong. And you go talk to the pastor and they say, no, we don't think it's wrong. Well, now you got to figure out why you think the thing that you think is wrong is actually wrong to figure yeah. out. Maybe sometimes God, I think, does kind of puts you up against confrontation, not so that you can change things in that particular organization or church or whatever, but so that he can ch- get you to think deeper about what you're yeah. believing. And that's yeah. a, that's a crazy thing. That's a good word. I think that's totally true. Yeah. Totally true. Yeah. yeah. So your answer to that question would just be, you got to go confront the person, talk to them, work your way up the ladder um, yeah. and see where things go. You'll probably be surprised yeah. actually. Uh, at the you might the be day. surprised on either side. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. It could be right. surprised on either end. Yep. Right. Okay. So I, I read, I read, you could tell me you have time to keep going, right? I pro I do have to get on a call at some point in the near future. Let's do this last quick question. Uh, the, the one about church hopping. I think that this yeah. is like a big thing just because the date there's such, I think the screw tape letters talks a little bit about the danger, you know, kind of Satan or the demons kind of wanting people to church hop getting people to church hop because it's yes. that's a real easy way to get them to just quit the faith. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about a little bit, you know, I guess what can happen to somebody who church hops too often and why do we think Satan loves it when people are church hopping all the time? That's such a good question. And I think you probably would have some great insights on this as well, Andy. But I think a few things. Um I think all the most important aspects, maybe not all, but a lot of the most important aspects of our spiritual growth require trust. It requires trust for someone to speak into someone else's life, to challenge them or to encourage them or to say, um, when Paul says to Timothy, let everyone see your progress. Yeah, right, right. So much of the spiritual life happens over time. Right. And every time you leave one community and go somewhere else, that clock has to reset. Hmm. You lose all the time. You lose all the depth of relationship. You lose all the um, trust that was built up over those years. So I think a lot of people stay stuck spiritually because they never stay somewhere long enough to totally. build deep relationships with um with other people. Yeah. I think another piece of it that Satan loves is aside from individual spiritual growth, um, mission progress also comes from tenure with a congregation with each other, often with that Mm. pastor, Mm. whatever. So like you're trying to really reach a lot of people and the people in your church keep resetting. It's hard to really get them moving. Yeah. There's a, the, the amount of money donated to local churches today is less percentage-wise than there was in the Great Depression. And I think there's a wow. lot of reasons for that. But I wonder how much of it is like, if you change church, so let me put it this way, giving is always what they call a lag measure. Okay. So if your church grows by 100 people, the giving will stay exactly the same for about a year or two. Wow. Because people wait to start giving until they stay somewhere long enough to see, can I trust these people with my generosity? Right. right, right. So if you change churches every three or four years, 
there's going to be a year or two yeah. where there's your income isn't getting funneled into any local church most of the time. For most people, they say it's not like they're saving that up. Maybe some do, but a lot don't. Hey, I'm not sure if I'm all in at this church. I'm just going to not give until we settle somewhere. And so, um, yeah, but it's not just the financial piece. It's um, as leaders of churches, you can't just throw people into leadership. You got to get to know them. You got to see if they're aligned when it comes to values. We've had some heavy hitters come to the bridge who are high up in ministry in large churches. And it still is tricky putting them into leadership because you're still not, the trust isn't there. So there's all this wasted potential when it keeps reshuffling and you can't really uh, make progress. A lot of pastors talk about ministry, especially in more church cultures where there's a lot of people moving. They say, and I felt this, it's kind of like you're preaching to the river. Hmm. It's like you're standing on the side of a river and there's all these people on boats just drifting by and you get them and they're going real slow, but you can't get the river. You can't turn the river into a, you know, armada into a naval, into a naval force if they're all just drifting, drifting through. So I think though, yeah, I think it's hard for people to change. I think it's hard for the mission to be accomplished. Um, And then uh, if there's some unhealthy reason why people leave, that thing never gets dealt with. Like the, for the person, this is so common for the person, they get in a fight with someone and they just leave because they don't want to see that person. Yeah. That person now never develops Man. confrontation skills and, go and to reconciliation skills. Go, yeah, to, go to counseling. <laughs> yeah. Good grief. Right. Right. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, it can contribute to the consumerism thing as well. Oh. Yeah, yeah. there's some reasons. Any yeah. thoughts? Do you have any thoughts? I'm wondering. The only thing that I, I thought of was like, I, I try to think of what is – I mean, we talk all this talk in the church about loving, love, 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 love. It's like, okay, what actually is that as a Christian? And and it's very clear what Jesus said that is. There's no greater love than those who are willing to lay down their life for their friends. And right. you're, you're in America. People who are listening to this, most of them are in America. You don't have to actually sacrifice your life yet. People aren't killing you for your faith. But Christ sacrificed way more than just his life. He sacrificed his reputation. He sacrificed everything. And he sacrificed it because on your behalf. And he didn't say, wow, these guys are idiots. I'm out. I'm not dying for them. I'm out of here. He didn't say that. Like, Like, seriously, I think the thing that I would say is to add to your first point, People need to recognize that staying at a church that you disagree with in some capacity, and I like I'm saying this as somebody who literally like over the last six months have had to like grapple with this hardcore because I wanted to like leave my church and I felt like God was like like kind of like no you don't get to just yeah. go these are my people you I put you there and you don't have to agree with everything. But don't, you don't get to just go. You have to put some sacrifice into this. You have to, if you yep. are, do you actually love these people? Do you actually care about these people? Do you actually yep. want the, the what's better for these people? Do you want these people to to know Christ more and change and repent or whatever? Do you want? Do you want to repent? And it's like I think you got to ask yourself all these questions first. Yeah, like really, Amen. do you love these people? Do you care about these people? Like, it, d- does Christ's death matter much as uh, enough to you? 
so that you will go that far for everybody else. And in Amen. your local church, that's where it's going to, that's, that's where, you know, the proof is in the pudding or whatever, you know, you have to yep. do it in the church. You have to do it with the people that are going to drive you flipping nuts. I mean, right. Jesus said that at the table of the guy who was stealing money from him and was about to turn him over to, to the Roman government and the Jewish people that murder him or, you know, like, yep. that guy was at the table and Jesus wasn't like, okay, I'm only talking to 11 of you right now. You know, he was like, I'm talking, I'm, he was talking to all 12 of them and like one of them was going to betray him three times and humiliate him. And he knew all this stuff, but yep. he didn't just get up and go. And I think that in America, yep. we've got this get up and go attitude because we don't yep. want to deal with the relational and emotional problems. If you want to leave a church, 99% of the time, it has nothing to do with a theological problem that you can't get by. Yep. It has everything to do with the relational problem that you won't want to deal with. And you should yep. probably just deal with that thing. And so uh, that's kind of what I thought of while you were talking. And I think Satan I think that's loves right it on. when people church hop because they're not dealing with, they're not, the Puritans would say, or the Anglicans or somebody, they're way different. But so I read in J.A. Packer's book, your theology essentially is meaningless if it doesn't actually turn into real, real life, practical wow. Christianity. Don't yeah. don't act like you're doing theology if it's not actually doing something in your life. And that's good. Real love. That's the case here, man. Like, don't don't give me this bull crap on. Oh, I'm having a theological issue with this church. Like, no. Like, do you care about these people? And yeah, some like we said, some of these issues are serious enough that maybe you have to leave. But for the vast majority of people, it's like, no. Do you, like, what do you actually think about sacrificing for other people? Yeah, that's, that's what. Good. That's the real question here, as far as I can tell. Um, and yeah, I have, that's I've a good like word. been trying to deal with this too, because man, you can get up and go so quickly and so easily. And people don't really even ask, where'd you go? Like nobody really cares sometimes yeah. and yeah. sticking yeah. around. That's the thing that that takes courage and it takes, it takes godliness. I think. I love so, that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. There was a guy walked up to me on Sunday. We're in the middle of a capital campaign right now. Yeah, so, like raising a bunch of money right. to re Vince renovate wants the to buy another a jet, but uh, I need a, I need my second jet. The first one just yeah you know. yeah. And this guy came up to me in the lobby <laughs> and said, "You know what? Here's what I just keep telling people: it's not what your church can do for you; it's what <laughs> you can do for your church." Right. Which I think is a Kennedy. Uh, yeah, Kennedy, right? Yeah, Kennedy, yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. not what you can it's not what your country can do for you, it's what you can do for your country. Which yeah. is like such a weird old cheesy thing. But yes, I think yeah. there's a real yeah. that like kind of is the paradigm shift mm -hmm. a lot of Christians need to go through. Mm -hmm. It's not about is right. my church what I need? It's right. am I serving? Am I sacrificing? Am I making a difference in this yeah. church? Vince, I'm gonna say I'm gonna cuss real quick. You already cussed okay. once, so this will be the second one. Really? Anyway. What did I say? You said oh, the yeah. D word. People think I'm a D word. This one's worse. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe I won't cuss, but here, but I'll I'll say the thing. Uh, <laughs> I I don't know. I'll say the thing. I, so, you know, if you get into a church and they're doing like you know they won't let you do a ministry that you want to do or something like that. Yeah. And, you know, for me, it was I really wanted to do like a book study. And I mm. went to the book study people at our church and they didn't want me to do the book that I wanted to do. Then mm. they tried to suggest a different book to me. Was it Fifty Shades just... of Grey? 
I did not expect that, but it absolutely was. And I just did. I wanted to do Fifty Shades Darker, and they they said you got to do Fifty Shades of Grey first. So, anyways, I whatever. I, was I left so the mad. I was pissed. Um, and I was like, had this whole thing where you're gonna watch the movie and everything. Anyways, um, no, that's the, Andrew's probably gonna be mad about that part. Uh, that was sorry, a joke. Sorry everybody. if that offended anyone. Yeah, total well, joke. It's right. What are you yeah. gonna do? What are you going to go listen to another podcast? Oh, no. Uh, stop listening. <laughs> go to find a new podcast. Yeah, go find a new podcast. We'll do that <laughs> one next. Should I leave this podcast? Um, so I was like, I want to do this book. And they're like, here's another book that I would never do in a million years that I don't really want to do. And I don't know why they told me to do it because I didn't ask to do that book. I asked to do the book that I want to do. And I was like, okay, what can I? And, you know, instead of be, I could have like sat there and like... What what's a better word to use than just like the B word right here? Just just like bitch. Complain. Complain. Yeah. Right. I could have complained. <laughs> I could have said any other word. Is there another word that you could use to describe it when you really don't like your situation? Uh I could have sat there and just complained about it, but what I did is I just grabbed five guys that I knew and was like, Hey, let's go to a coffee shop every Wednesday morning, seven AM read this book. And we're gonna read this book together. Yeah. And we're on our fourth book now, fourth, fifth book yeah. now. We go yeah. every Wednesday morning and we go to a coffee shop and we read Christian books and we discuss them together and pray together. I mean yeah. that's what we do. And I was just like, screw it. If they don't want me to do it at the church, I'll do it. I'll just go find some guys and do it. And that yeah. just might be the case. Yes, hundred percent. Well, I've had that conversation so many times. I want to do this thing. Well, it doesn't really <laughs> fit with what we're trying to do right now. But please but do it. You can just do it as a Christian. Right. It doesn't right. have to be a official church ministry. Yeah. To be honest, so, man, yeah. official church ministries is just that muddles the water half the time. So sometimes yeah. just like I don't want out that mess. I just want guys coming together and reading the book. That's I don't Read want it book. to be like a Go mission. Play, yeah. Yeah. Go play board right. games. Right. Go to restaurants. Yeah. Go do whatever you want to do. You're all Christians. Right. You're all adults. Right. Do right. what you want to do. Right. 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 That's good. Except for sin. Don't sin. Right. Please don't sin. Please don't sin. So you got to figure out what that means. Okay. I mean, this is an hour and 42 minute podcast. Uh, probably not. More like an hour and 30 minutes. But we had some connection issues. Yeah. Yeah. Vince, Vince's church just got Wi-Fi. Uh, yeah, which is sweet. Uh, they've never, yeah. you know, they never used technology before. No, but actually, Ooh. Vince sent me this picture this morning, and he had this microphone, everything like all ready to go. Yeah, our, just, our uh, production guy actually came in clutch and set it up for me, which was so nice of him. Yeah, it's a good mic because you're yep. in Kentucky. I didn't come out this time. Couldn't fly me out. So couldn't fly you out next time. Yeah, we didn't have enough. Uh, didn't ha yeah next time. Okay. I think that's about it. I know people might think, well, you didn't answer my explicit question. Some of this takes some prudence discernment, but maybe we, we gave you some questions to ask yourself and yeah. some things to just think about when you're trying to figure out whether or not you want to leave your church. At the end of the day, some, yep. you can't answer this type of question in a podcast, really. It's like yeah. every situation is different. And 100%. Kind of what you did was give a little bit of pastoral guidance. Here's some yep. of the parameters. Here's some of the things to think about. And so... Uh, think about those things. Um, is there anything else you want to say, concluding thoughts, anything? No, I don't think so. I think we had a lot of really good takeaways. You're probably never really biblically commanded to leave a church. Mm -hmm. um, ask yourself, are you following those basic steps of spiritual growth? Are you in the word? Are you in community? Are you doing something for God? 
Um, is God asking you to sacrifice to help something move forward, even if you don't agree with every piece of it? Mm. And yeah, and I think ultimately you got to bring it to the Lord and uh, humble yourself, get some right. counsel from from people you respect, maybe people you respect outside the church, and and just try to mm-hmm. yeah check your check your pride, check your ego, check your check your selfishness, and and see what see what God is asking you to do. I want can I give a real quick story? Yeah, I go know ahead. you got to go, but when when Andrew and I were struggling this last couple months, last six months. And trying to figure out like what we wanted to do. There's a pastor here. Everybody knows on this podcast, Tom Flaherty. He pastors a different church across the city than High Point, and like different theology, like charismatic, you know, like very different. But him and Nick are good friends, and he's awesome. And Tom and I, you know, we've been meeting, and Tom kind of was just like, like you know, like I. <laughs> I don't know how difficult this is as a pastor or not to to not try to like convert somebody into your own church who's like struggling with their church. But I talked to two pastors and and one of them was Tom and he was just like, "You have to just forgive these people." Like he, he like mm-hmm. he was like, "You you you can't like you got to forgive these people." I mean, you maybe take word. a little bit of a break and you know, but you got to forgive them. And yeah, that was like some really good stuff because and it came from somebody who was outside of my church who yeah who you know was just like, I'm trying to say the right thing for the kingdom, not just for my own church or like not to get people to come to my own church. And that's an important thing too. So there's a lot of go, go other places, ask other pastors. And if they're, yep. if they're decent, I, I'm sure they'll give you some good answers. Yep. Cool. Amen. Cool. Amen. Cool. 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 Okay. Uh, if you like this podcast, uh, make sure you like, subscribe, share this, follow, follow it. And leave a review, email us, tell us if you like Vince, tell us if you don't like Vince, tell us if you just want him gone to never be in the podcast again. Maybe we do a me, you, me, Vince, Nick podcast. Who knows yeah, where that and would then, go? That would be insane. And then take a poll after and say, who Who's made smarter? you feel most fed? Oh, yeah. We should do <laughs> I'm that. Just I'm just Who's kidding. feeding people? The, the smarter poll would probably be a fairly lopsided poll. Right. I would win that one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. Anyways, we'll see you guys in the next one. Goodbye. Goodbye.